जय गोपी जन जयोगिरी वरदारी जयोगिरी वरदारी जय यशोद नंदना जयो ब्रज जनरंजना जय यशोद नंदना जयो ब्रज जयो यमुन तिरवन चारी जयो कुंज बिहारी जयो यमुन तिरवन चारी जयो कुंज हरे कृष्णा हरे कृष्णा 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 हरे 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 राम हरे राम 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 हरे 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 कृष्णा हरे कृष्णा 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 हरे 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 राम हरे राम 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 हरे 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 कृष्णा हरे कृष्णा 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 हरे 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 राम हरे राम 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 हरे हरे जयो प्रभु पदा जयो प्रभु पदा जयो प्रभु पदा शिला प्रभु पदा जय 
Jaya Prabu Pada Jaya Prabu Pada Jaya Prabu Pada Srila Prabu Pada Jayom Vishnupada Paramahamsa Parijakacharya Astotra Satesri Esi Bhaktivedanta Swami Srila Prabhupada Ki Jayom Vishnupada Paramahamsa Parijakacharya Astotra Satesri Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Gosmami Maharaj Ki Jai Anantakoti Vaishnavarande Ki Jai Namacharya Srila Haridas Thakur Ki Jai Premsekha Sri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Sri Advaita Gadadara Sri Vasari Gaur Bhaktivarande Ki Jai Sri Sri Radha Krishna Gopi Gopina Chamakun Radha Kungiri Gaurdhan Ki Jai Vrindavan Dham Ki Jai, Mayapur Navdeep Dham Ki Jai, Jagannath Puri Dham Ki Jai, Ganga Mai Ki Jai, Yamuna Mai Ki Jai, Bhakti Devi Tulsi Maharani Ki Jai, Harinam Sankirtani Ki Jai. All glories to His Assembled Devotees, all glories to His Assembled Devotees, all glories to His Assembled Devotees, all glories to Sri Guru and Sri Gauranga, all glories to Srila Prabhupada. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Reading from Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 6. Canto 6 is called Prescribed Duties for Mankind. Going to Chapter 16, King Chitraketu meets the Lord and uh, Text number 38. Is that right? 38. Vishaya triso nara pasavo Ya upasate vibhutirna paramtvam Tesham asisha isha Tad anu vinashyanti yata rajakulam Vishayatriso nara pasavo Ya upasate vibhutirna paramtvam Tesham asisha isha Tad anu vinashyanti yata rajakulam Vishayatriso nara pasavo Ya upasate vibhutirna paramtvam Tesham asisha isha Tad anu vinashyanti yata rajakulam
Mataji's. Vishaya Trisha Eager to Enjoy sense gratification Nara Pashavaha Men like animals Ye Who Upasate Worship very gorgeously Vibhutihi Small particles of the Supreme Lord, the demigods. Na, not. Param, the Supreme. Tvam, you. Tesham, of them. Ashishaha, the benedictions. Isha, O Supreme Controller. Tat, them, the demigods. Anu, after. Vinashyanti, will be vanquished. Yata, just as. Rajakulam, those who are supported by the government. When the government is finished. Translation by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhakti Vedanta Swami Srila Prabhupada, Srila Prabhupada Ki. O Lord, O Supreme, unintelligent persons who thirst for sense enjoyment and who worship various demigods are no better than animals in the human form of life. Because of their animalistic propensities, they fail to worship your Lordship, and instead they worship the insignificant demigods, who are but small sparks of your glory. With the destruction of the entire universe, including the demigods, the benedictions received from the demigods also vanish, just like the nobility when a king is no longer in power. Translation responsively, O Lord, O Supreme, unintelligent persons who thirst for sense enjoyment and who worship various demigods are no better than animals in the human form of life. Because of their animalistic propensities, they fail to worship 
your lordship. And instead, they worship the insignificant demigods who are but small sparks of your glory. With the destruction of the entire universe, including the demigods, the benedictions received from the demigods also vanish, just like the nobility when a king is no longer in power. Purport by Srila Prabhupada. Bhagavad Gita 7.20 says, Kamastai style, Hirta Janaha, Hirta Gyanaha Prabhadyante Nya Devataha. Those whose minds are distorted by material desires surrender unto the demigods. Similarly, this verse condemns worship of the demigods. We may show our respects to the demigods, but the demigods are not worshipable. The intelligence of those who worship the demigods is lost, Hirtagyanaha. Because these worshippers do not know that when the entire material cosmic manifestation is annihilated, the demigods who are the departmental heads of that manifestation will be vanquished. When the demigods are vanquished, the benedictions given by the demigods to unintelligent men will also be vanquished. Therefore, a devotee should not hanker to obtain material opulence by worshipping the demigods, but should engage in the service of the Lord, who will satisfy all his desires. Akama sarva kamo va moksha kama udharadi tivrena bhakti yogena yajeta purusham param. Whether full of all material desires, free from material desires, or desiring liberation, a person who has broader intelligence must, by all means, worship the Supreme Whole, the Personality of Godhead. Bhagavatam 2.3.10 This is the duty of a perfect human being, one who has the shape of a human being, but whose actions are nothing but those of an animal, is called Narapashu or Dvipada Pashu, a two-legged animal. A human being who is not interested in Krishna consciousness is condemned herewith as a Narapashu. Om Ajnana Timirandasya Gyananjana Shalakaya Chakshurul Militam Yena Tasme Sri Guruve Namaha Shri Chaitanya Mano Bishtam Stapitam Yena Bhutale Swayam Rupa Kada Mahiyam Dadati Swapadantikam Vancha Kalpatra Vrishya Kripa Sindhubya Evacha Patitanam Pavanebhyo Vaishnavebhyo Namo Namaha Jai Sri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Sri Advaita Gadadara Sri Vasadi Gaurabhakta Vrinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Hare Krishna. 
Translation, O Lord, O supreme, unintelligent persons who thirst for sense enjoyment and who worship various demigods are no better than animals in the human form of life. Because of their animalistic propensities, they fail to worship your lordship. And instead, they worship the insignificant demigods who are but small sparks of your glory. With the destruction of the entire universe, including the demigods, the benedictions received from the demigods also vanish just like the nobility when a king is no longer in power. Hare Krishna. Everything vanishes. Just like the nobility when a king is no longer in power. What comes to mind? To me, what straight away comes to mind is what happened to all the Maharajas in India. Are there any left? I don't know. Huh? Few are still there. But what happened to the most? Thanks to the English. Right? And with them, what happened to all their nobility and all their power? All gone. Right? So, okay. Now, speakers often like to do a summary to give a background of what's happening here. Okay? And many speakers before me have been doing that. I'm going to do it again. <laughs> but very quickly, very briefly, for two reasons. One is to give context to the class so that the listeners can actually appreciate more in the framework of what's going on. But another reason and a more important reason as to why we do or give a background of what's happening in the pastime is for us, the speaker and the listener, to try and relate to how the pastime applies to us. That is more important. Okay? Every stage of this pastime, it's quite relatable, if you think about it. Starting with what? King Chitragetu is an advanced devotee, yeah? We call ourselves devotee too, correct? So we're not advanced, but at least we're devotees. So there's some similarity, at least the common denominator there is we're devotees, like him, right? He had 10 million wives. We don't have 10 million wives, right? And no children. And no children, therefore, he then was blessed with the association of Sadhu, Angira Rishi. Now, we are blessed too, correct? We're getting lots of association from various Sadhus around us, okay, devotees. And then uh, he prays to Angira Rishi for a child. That's a material prayer. And we too, in our hearts, we have lots of material desires. We pray to the Lord for material benedictions. And that shows ignorance. So there's another similarity there between us and Maharaj Chitraketu. Not that he is ignorant, he is actually being used as an instrument in this pastime to display that quality for our sakes. Therefore, we can relate to that point of ignorance coming up as to how one prays. So he prays for something material and Angira Rishi grants that. Well, you pray for something material, fine, I'll give it to you. Son is born, and Harsha Shoka, things are happy, everyone is doting on him, except the queens, 
who were who did not bear the child out of the 10 million only one was happy the others they were envious so what did they do they poisoned him they killed him then that material benediction that temporary enjoyment disappeared same thing we can relate to that right in our daily lives too many things come we, get, we enjoy a little bit and then it disappears and we feel sad lament so that's what's happening here so there's lots of lamentation chitraketru is lamenting and then um misery comes in but again due to association of the sadhus the special mercy the costless mercy of the lord to actually uh make us jivas to come in contact with elevated personalities the gurus brahmande brahmite kono bhagyavan jeev guru krishna prasada pai bhakti lata beej okay by the mercy of krishna we get guru and by the mercy of guru we get krishna okay they plant the seed of the uh, bhakti lata beej the seed of a kripa of devotional service and through their associ- association it begins to sprout so this time narada muni comes and he says all right uh they give him enlightenment okay they tell him initially you prayed for tri- uh, for material benefit you got it now you've lost it and now we are going to give you spiritual knowledge which they do and after giving that um what happens next um yeah narada muni drives home the point that this material world is temporary anything in the material world the benedictions are all temporary he drives home the point in a very unique fascinating way he calls that same jiva back into that body the dead boy's body okay and that jiva comes and says what who are you you're not my father you're not my mother i've been transmigrating in many many lifetimes and take going from body to body okay demigods animals um, aquatics plants in which lifetime were you both my parents so that shakes up chitraketu and definitely surely now with narada muni's mercy he comes out of that mode of ignorance he's enlightened the shackles of affection are cut lamentation is given up and that realization comes that that relationship is based on illusory based on an illusory one and then they go through the funeral ceremony of uh, conducting for the dead body and they burn the body and the queens who actually poison the the child they seek atonement for killing the child and um and uh yeah they bathe in the yamuna to seek atonement similarly chitraketu maharaj also he bathes in the yamuna he pays obeisances uh, sorry he pays oblations oblations to his forefathers water oblations and he worships these two brahmanas the sons of lord brahma angira muni and narada rishi narada muni so with the spiritual enlightenment he is worshiping them narada muni then gives him the mahavidya instructions the uh, mantra and after giving those instructions that mantra narada muni and angira rishi they leave they go to brahmaloka for 7 days 
Chitraketu Maharaj, he chants this mantra with determination, fasting only on water, and as an intermediate byproduct of his endeavors, he is rewarded with the material opulence of the Vidyadhara planet. And a few days later, he then actually is rewarded even more with the personal darshan of Lord Ananta. Now, Bhagavatam here gives a very beautiful description of Lord Ananta. He is, his complexion is as white as the fibers of the lotus flower. And he is wearing bluish garments. He's got glittering helmet on his head, glittering armlets, glittering bangles. And his beautiful face is tinged with the color of redness. So, and he's got a smiling demeanor, smiling um, uh, face. King Chitraketu is overcome by ecstasy. He displays ecstatic symptoms, hair standing on end, tears. Then using his intelligence, keyword intelligence, even in today's words, he pacifies his mind and starts praying to the Lord, offers wonderful prayers. A few days ago, Jagannath Ram Prabhu gave a beautiful class on prayers as to how to offer prayers, what type of prayers. Briefly, prayers are expressions of the heart and mind. Right? So, in a nutshell, they are realizations. How we pray, what we pray, it actually reveals what is in our heart and in our mind. Right? The pages of the Bhagavatam are full of wonderful prayers. Queen Kunti's prayers, Prahlad Maharaja's prayers, Dhruva Maharaja's prayers, Lord Brahma's prayers, Akrura's prayers, many wonderful prayers. But all these prayers actually are revelations of their exalted consciousness. Revelations of their heart and their mind. The deepest of truth, the deepest of truth lies hidden in the heart of the Vaishnavas. So that's why, therefore, it, we, there's this phrase, Mahajano Yenagata Sapanta. We follow in the footsteps of these great Mahajans, these exalted personalities, to learn how to pray. To learn as to how to glorify the Lord. That's essentially prayers. Okay. Prayers, it, as I said, it reveals our state of consciousness. And we have different when we take a cross-section of the populace, we've got different levels of consciousness in society. Actually, if you take the society, you can categorize people, especially when it comes to the topic of God, you can categorize people into two main categories. One, the non-believers. The other one, 
believers of God. Now, non-believers, we can easily describe them. They're not in this room, but there are many that we associate with. I must qualify that. There are not many. They are not in this room, and they are not among those who are listening to this class through internet. <laughs> okay. But I'm talking about those material conscious people where they are faithless, their ignorance is so deep, their passion is so intense, they've got gross sense enjoyment, they're not pious, and we see that out there in the general populace. Talk about God to them, they don't want to know anything about God. You can't even touch on the topic of religion. They just don't want to come near it. In fact, to those kind of people, to be irreligious is the current fashion. When, I'm not sure about your work environment, it is dangerous to bring up the topic of God. Because you can be seen as the odd one out. But for the others, it's like it's in vogue, in fashion, to proudly declare that they are irreligious, they don't want to know anything about God. That's ignorance, deep, deep ignorance. But are they non-devotees? They are devotees. Because where did we jivas actually come from? We all came from the spiritual sky. We left Krishna because of that minute independence that we have. We left Krishna, we wanted to enjoy separately from him, and now we're in the material world. And through the association with material nature, mode of goodness, mode of passion, mode of ignorance, and through this transmigration of the soul from body to body, they've been covered with this thick mud of ignorance. So they are devotees because of that thick covering in such deep ignorance, they cannot relate to anything about God. That's one side of the pendulum. Now, if you sing to the, like a pendulum, you know, in the old days, clocks have this pendulum swinging left and right. Okay? So one side of the pendulum, you have got these non-believers. The other side, if you swing, you've got the believers. Now, the believers of God we can actually subdivide them into two. Those who worship God directly, God meaning Krishna, and those who worship him indirectly. Now those who worship Krishna directly can be further divided into Akama devotees and Sakama devotees. Akama devotees are those who are pure devotees. So that's why I say it's like the other extreme from non-believers, you're now, we're now talking about the pure devotees. The pure devotees of the Lord, they've got no material desires. They are only absolutely interested in pleasing the Lord. Everything that they do is for the Lord's pleasure. They personify the definition of pure devotional service as given by Srila Rupa Goswami. And what is that? Anya Bilashita 
गौन अन्या विलासिता सुनियम ज्ञाना कर्मादि अनुकूल ये ना भक्ति रुत्तमा एंड वर्ड फॉर वर्ड ट्रांसलेशन ऑफ दैट ऑफ व्हाट वी जस्ट सेड अन्या विलासिता सुनियम वन शुड रेंडर ट्रांसिडेंटल लविंग सर्विस टू द सुप्रीम लॉर्ड कृष्णा फेवरेबली एंड विदाउट डिजायर्स फॉर मटेरियल प्रॉफिट और गेन through fruitive activities or philosophical speculation that is called pure devotional service and that's who akama bhaktas are and a good example of this is the gopis of vrindavan in vrindavan so their only desire is to please the lord they've got no other desires okay so much so that if the pleasure that they naturally feel through the activity of serving the lord when they naturally feel the pleasure that comes with it so much so they don't want that pleasure if that pleasure interferes with their service that's how exalted their consciousness is so they say and when we do devotional service to feel pr- pleasurable is a natural outcome but they don't even want that if that pleasure interferes with their service to god and what does krishna do in in return when he sees oh my devotees are giving such wonderful service i am so pleased he gives them more pleasure and when he gives them more pleasure what do the gopis do oh no we are feeling more ecstatic we don't want it if it interferes with our service to please him they give it back to him and what does krishna do he gives some more so there is this transcendental competition to please each other akama bhaktas pleasing the lord and the lord pleasing the devotees that is service in pure transcendental knowledge that is purity very exalted consciousness very difficult for us to actually even aspire then among so we have talked about the non believers akama bhaktas then we have got sakama bhaktas who are sakama bhaktas sakama bhaktas are those who are actually pious they have got faith they are worshiping krishna directly but with material desires can we relate to that who can relate to that everyone that's how our position is okay we are practicing to move away from being attached to material desires but that's where we are so they've got faith they are pious they're following religious principles like us we are following the four regulative principles they are they are they are following the scriptural injunctions reading the scriptures 
And our life is modeled along that way. So, Sakama Bhaktas. It's good compared to the non-believers. So, in other words, in our previous lifetimes, who knows, we could have been, we could have been uh, non-believers too. But something along the way gave us connection to Krishna. And that is the mercy of the Lord. Sukriti. We, we probably got Sukriti directly or unknowingly. Agyata Sukriti. Agyata Sukriti is where, that's why when we do Harinams, we go chanting on the streets and all that. Even the non-believers out there, they are hearing. That is Agyata Sukriti for them. So this thick covering of mud that they have, somehow this Agyata Sukriti will accumulate and in some time in future through the mercy of the Lord and the devotees will fructify. The seed of devotional service will begin to germinate. So, Sakama Bhaktas. And what kind of, how do we classify this, this group of devotees who are actually worshipping the Lord directly and have got these material desires? They come to the Lord for what? Out of distress? Four kinds of people who come to the Lord. Who are they? Those who are in distress? Inquisitive, those who are seeking wealth, and those who are seeking knowledge, gyan, right? So we've talked about the non-believers, we've talked about the Kama Bhaktas, we've talked about the Sakama Bhaktas. Now there's another group called, remember I said just now, the indirect worshippers of Krishna. Among these indirect worshippers of Krishna, we have the demigod worshippers. They also have faith, they are also pious, but the only difference, they too have material desires, but the only difference is they are worshipping Krishna indirectly, through demigods. Uh, Krishna says that in the, in the Bhagavad Gita, where those who are worshipping demigods, they're actually worshipping me ultimately. It's just that they don't know. They're worshipping in a wrong way. Avidhi Purvakam. Okay? They're worshipping Krishna in the wrong way due to lack of knowledge. But at least they're worshipping indirectly. That's a good thing. Right? Now, do we actually worship them totally? Here, Prabhupada says in the purport, we may show our respects to the demigod, but the demigods are not worshipable. We need broader intelligence. When we are already worshipping Krishna directly, why would we want to worship the demigods and worship Krishna indirectly? Who are demigods? How many of them are there? What is their role? Let's talk a little bit. Who are demigods? They are jivas. Okay? They are empowered jivas. They are little minute controllers. Okay? And in Krishna's government structure, in fact, 
It says here, Rajakulam, those who are supported by the government. The word government is used. So in Krishna's government, in the material world, okay, they have been given responsibilities. Yesterday's verse, there was a little bit about creation. Um, now, Lord Brahma is in charge of secondary creation, Visarga process. Now, Lord Brahma himself doesn't have that full independent knowledge to create. He is enlightened by Krishna to do the secondary creation. He is given the blueprint. So when Brahma goes about his process of secondary creation, all this blueprint he uses is like, okay, this one, lot of the, uh, lot of the rain, we will give that position, that title, Lord Indra. This one, lot of fire. His job is to control fire, Agni. This one, lot of water. His job is to control water, Vayu. Sorry, Varuna. This one, wind, Vayu. Okay? Like that, all this structure is created. But who actually appoints the personalities into these positions? Krishna. And there are 33 million demigods. Yeah? 33 million. And Prabhupada, actually in Bhagavad Gita, chapter 9, Prabhupada talks about the example of the tree. If we know Krishna is the root of the tree, and 33 million demigods, if they are represented by the leaves and the branches and all that, how do we water the tree? An intelligent person doesn't go from one leaf to another watering each leaf. What would they do? Water where? The root. And by watering the root, the whole tree, the branches, the leaves are all nourished. All demigods are pleased. Even Lord Brahma, as we know in his creation, he has got a limited lifespan. In fact, we can become Brahma if we want. It's a position. All you have to do is, for 100 consecutive lifetimes, you be a pure devotee. 100 consecutive lifetimes, if you are a pure devotee, then you are eligible to become Brahma. And even that is up to Krishna to make you Brahma. We are struggling to even become pure devotee in one life. Yeah. And Brahma lives for how long? In terms of solar years? No, that is only, that is 3.42 billion is only half the day. It's only daytime. Then there's another 3.42 billion, the nighttime. That's just one day. Okay. And 
he lives for 100 years. If you multiply all that, it's 311 trillion, 40 billion years. How do you even write that number? 311,040, then put nine zeros after that. Inconceivable. But still, he has a limited lifespan. He has to give up his position. Whatever benedictions he gives, temporary in that sense. And um, at the end of destruction, as it says here, Prabhupada says, when the entire material cosmic manifestation is annihilated, the demigods, who are the departmental heads of that manifestation, will be vanquished. So at the end of this cosmic manifestation, Mahapralaya, all those who are in the planet of Brahman Loka together with Lord Brahma, they go back to the spiritual kingdom. But everybody else, whatever benedictions that they had, all gone, vanquished. Even Lord Indra, okay, we have spoken about Lord Brahma, even Lord Indra, he has got a limited lifespan. And if you want to become Indra, you can. Perform 100 Aswamedha Yagyas perfectly. We remember that the pastime of uh, Prithu Maharaj. Prithu Maharaj was doing these Aswamedha Yagyas perfectly, came to number 99. Indra felt threatened. He was very attached to his position. He didn't want that 100th Aswamedha Yagya to be completed. And what did he do? He stole the sacrificial horse. Not once, not twice, many times. Because he didn't want to give up his position. So, that's not our destination. And among these demigods, the material opulence that they enjoy is far, far more than what we think we have in this planet Earth. It is more intense than what we see here on planet Earth. It is so intense that these very same demigods that people worship too, these very same demigods, they pray saying that, Oh my dear Lord, at the end of my life, if at all there is any pious credit left, please let me take birth where? On earth. Why? Because as they are doing their duty in their, in their role as administrators and officers and directors in Krishna's government, they are exposed to this degree and intensity of material enjoyment that they cannot focus on their sadhana. It is too sensuous, the environment for them is too sensuous. There are too many distractions for them to actually perform sadhana. Therefore, they pray, my dear Lord, please let me take birth on earth. Why? One, earth planet, 
we got a direct passport to go back to the spiritual kingdom. In the creation, there are two planets where we got direct passport to go to the spiritual kingdom. As I said earlier, one is Brahmaloka. To attain Brahmaloka itself is a challenge. But then there's another special planet, Earth, where we've got that direct pass, direct passport to go to the spiritual kingdom. That's how fortunate we are. Okay. Not only that, not only are we fortunate in the sense that we are born on planet Earth, Lord Krishna himself has placed his lotus footprints on this planet Earth 5,000 years ago. Bhumi Devi, she feels ecstatic with these lotus imprints that Krishna has left behind. Not only that, we are chanting the holy name. Canto 3, chapter 33, text number 7 of the Bhagavatam says, For one who is chanting the holy name in this life, it means in our previous lives, we have bathed in all the holy rivers, we have performed all kinds of sacrifices and austerities, we have read all the Vedic literatures, to be able to come to this point where we are chanting the holy name in this life and we have taken birth on the planet earth that very same earth where the demigods themselves want to come to and on top of that we are in this holy tirtha called Melbourne where Prabhupada himself has set his foot Meditate on that, how fortunate we are. So that's a little bit about demigods. So demigod worshippers, they are indirectly praying to the Lord through the demigods. The benedictions given by demigods is temporary. And the demigod worshippers, at the end of their life, they take birth among the demigods. Because when they are praying to their Easter Deva, of course their Easter Deva would then grant them the benediction, come, you come to my planet. But see the irony. Demigod worshippers take birth in the planet of the demigods. Demigods want to come to earth. So we need intelligence. But it's hard, it's hard because look, to be honest, how many here actually worship demigods? Hands up. Don't be shy, hands up. Okay. Nothing to be ashamed of. Demigod worship is very relatable to Indian bodied people who actually came from the subcontinent or through the Indian diaspora of having moved around the globe in various places where they are, they have taken with them this culture of worshipping demigods. Why? Because many of us have been brought up in that way. Non-Indian bodied people may find this hard to relate to. I was brought up as a demigod worshipper. 
My roots are in subcontinent India, but I was born in Malaysia. And in Malaysia, it's like a mini India. Every corner you have a temple. Just like in Malaysia, in India, every street you've got temples. Everyone's doing something with their deity at their temple. So much so, we take it for granted. Okay. My mother would say when I was young, we go to temple, like I said, many temples, just pray, put the holy ash, which I did. Just followed mother. Bless her soul. She left her body last year. But it is that culture that we have come up with. Therefore, it is hard for us to let go. But again, through the mercy of the Lord, through the mercy of Srila Prabhupada, in this lifetime, through the Sukriti or Agyata Sukriti that we have accumulated in previous lives, we have come to this point where in this life, we are shifting from being demigod worshippers to Krishna. That needs intelligence. That needs detachment. That needs knowledge of the scriptures. As much as we shouldn't worship the demigods as what Prabhupada is saying here, we need to respect them, but in the same manner that we feel difficult to let go, we need to learn to let go because there is more, there is more, it is more relishing to worship Krishna directly. The pleasure that comes with uh, uh, worshipping Krishna is eternal. The benefit that we get is eternal. The joy that comes with doing devotional service, not to please demigods, but to please Krishna, is more enjoyable in that sense. So we need knowledge. Real knowledge. Real knowledge is that which comes down from the spiritual platform through parampara all the way down through the scriptures. Material knowledge is ascending. It is going through a process of experiments. Neti, neti is not this, not this. It is full of speculation. So we need to rely on scriptures, guru, sadhu, shastra to accept that knowledge through the parampara then, when this knowledge actually comes into our mind using intelligence, that knowledge would then, gyan would then become vigyan. Realization in the heart. And with realization in the heart, it becomes easier for us to let go worship of demigods. So we got to stick to the process. There are nine processes of devotional service. What are they? Shravanam Kirtanam. Shravanam Kirtanam, Vishnu Smaranam, Padasevanam, Archanam, Vandanam, Dasyam, Shakyam, Sakyam, Atma, Nivedanam. Here, Chitraketu Maharaj is displaying which one? Vandanam. Correct? Prayers. So any one of these forms of any one of these processes of devotional service, we can perfect our lives. So here's the question. Demigod worship, we know there are many, many demigods being worshipped. Too many to worship. Cannot. Cannot please all of them. But on our altar, you see. 
there are so many personalities. Different, different shapes, different, different forms. So, are we worshipping many gods? Who says yes? Hands up. Who says no? Hands up. All hands are going up. Very intelligent. Right? Even though we have got many, many personalities on the altar, it is one God who, is, who has appeared in different forms and mood. Krishna is the supreme personality of Godhead. What does the word Godhead mean? He's the head of gods. Right? He's the supreme. He's got his own abode called Goloka Vrindavan. Way up there, he's just a simple cowherd boy. He's the cause of all causes. Every class we sing Jaya Radha Madhava song, it is so rich in describing the picture of Vrindavan. Jaya Radha Madhava, Kunja Bihari, okay. Gopi Janavallaba is the darling of the gopis. Okay. Gopi Janavallaba, then after that, what is that? Giri Varadari. He is the lifter of the Govardhan hill with his little pinky finger at the age of seven. Then after that, what's the next line? Yashoda Nandana. He is the darling son of Mother Yashoda. Then, Prajajana Ranjana. Okay. He is the beloved of the residents of the Holy Dham, uh, of the um, residents of the Holy Dham, yes, Brajabasis. Then the last line. Yamunatira Vanachari, it means he is wandering through the forests of Vrindavan. Just like demigods who have got various job description. Okay, take charge of Vayu, you know, like rain, fire, water. Krishna too has got his job description. What is, his, what is Krishna's job description? To enjoy. That's his job. His job is to enjoy. And our job is to serve him to give him that enjoyment. And he has this enjoyment through many, many activities. Lord Brahma sings, Chintamani prakara satma sukalpa vriksha laksha vritesu surabhirabhipala yantam lakshmi sahasra satasambrahma sevyamanam govindamadi purusham tamaham bhajami. Chintamani prakara. His abode is full of spiritual gems. Even though he is a spiritual, simple cowherd boy, dressed as a cowherd boy, but it is so opulent, more opulent than the planets of the demigods. Nothing surpasses that opulence. And here on our altar, he has mercifully appeared as Ballaba. Archa Vigraha form. In this threefold bending form. Exquisite, beautiful form. Out of his causeless mercy, so that we can actually connect, awaken our sambandha with him. 
our loving transcendental relationship with him so why then do we have all these different personalities on the altar if they are one god with different different forms and different shapes what is the interrelationship between that tribanga form vallabha with the other personalities that we have on the altar today how is he connected to we have got say on this left hand side lord nityananda what's the connection there different yuga okay maharaj chitraketu is getting the darshan of sankarshan lord ananta who is none other than balaram balaram is the first expansion of that ballaba that cowherd boy that swayam bhagavan krishna he is the first expansion of that swayam bhagavan krishna balaram and in the yuga according to this yuga for kali yuga that balaram has now appeared not expanded he has appeared in the form of lord nityananda in his most merciful form next to lord nityananda we have lord gauranga lord chaitanya now who is he he is krishna himself in the mood of shrimati radharani now what is that mood that mood is mood of intense separation from krishna and he has come in that mood of intense separation in the mood of his topmost devotee shrimati radharani feeling separation from the lord himself in the mellow of conjugal love every morning when we do shaligram prayers there's a prayer that we chant okay anarpita charim chirad karunaya tirna kalav samrapayitu munnata jolarasam swabakti sriyam arihi purata sundara dyuti kadamba sandipita sada hrdaya kandare spuratu vasachinandana may the lord who is known as the son of mother sachi be situated in in the innermost core of my heart resplendent with the color of molten gold he has descended into this age of kali by his causeless mercy to bestow what no other incarnation has ever bestowed before which is the highest mellow of devotional service which is the mellow of conjugal love in that mood of separation so we have got balaba we have got lord nitananda we have got lord gauranga who is next to balava shrimati radharani who is she how is she connected to krishna shrimati radharani is his bliss potency she is bliss personified okay and no one can equal shrimati radharani in the way that she loves krishna then on the on the right hand side we got that altar with three other personalities very beautiful looking we got lord balaram we have got subhadra devi and we got lord jagannath 
what is the connection there to swayam bhagavan krishna how are they connected why are they in that form let's talk about that past time where how they appeared in that form so when krishna was ruling dwaraka one time there was this solar eclipse and to get that pious credits all the dwaraka residents and the vrindavan residents all converged in a place a pilgrimage place at kurukshetra so when they were there it was a very sweet meeting you know residents of vrindavan dwaraka and many other kings narada muni were all there then the queens of dwaraka when they met the residents of vraja they said we are every day pleasing krishna as his queens in dwaraka but all he remembers is you residents of vrindavan he's chanting gopi gopi is chanting radhe radhe we are there his queens next to him he is not with us he physically is with us but his mind is only with you with you all in vrindavan what is it that you all have that we don't have then they get mother rohini to actually explain that mother rohini says okay i will explain but we have to close the door here before i start explaining because if krishna and balaram hear this they cannot take it they will go into ecstasy they'll run away where to vrindavan right so they tell subhatra subhatra was there and say you go outside this room you stand guard outside the door krishna and balaram come you don't let them in so mother rohini then explains all the past times that krishna enjoyed in vrindavan with his devotees as she is explaining the intensity the sweetness of all the past times becomes churned the sweeter and sweeter and sweeter that subhatra devi herself begins to feel this ecstatic symptoms and without she knowing krishna and balaram are already there listening to all these pastimes standing next to her so all three of them go into this mood of ecstasy krishna balaram and subhatra devi they go into this mood of ecstasy where they take this wonderful beautiful form narada muni saw this form and he said i've seen this form now the whole world needs to see this form of jagannath baladev subhatra and that form is the form of lord jagannath feeling the pangs of separation from his devotees so see the intertwining of the relationship here we've got lord chaitanya who is in the mood of his topmost devotee feeling separation from swayam bhagavan krishna who is none other than the lord himself then we have got lord jagannath who is the lord himself who is feeling pangs of separation from his devotees who is none other than lord krishna himself so can you imagine the radha yatra procession every year we have this radha yatra procession around temples in iskon even in jagannath puri if you picture that 
on the ground you have lord chaitanya dancing in front of the radhayatra the lord himself in the mood of his devotee feeling separation from the lord is dancing on the cart we have the lord himself feeling separation from his devotees in fact in the iskon world prabhupad introduced deity worship through lord jagannath this happened way back when prabhupad had opened his second center in san francisco the haid ashbury um, place where there were hippies and all that so 26 second avenue was already open in new york and this was a second center in san francisco one day malati mataji bless her soul um of course at that time she was a young bhaktin when prabhupad was there she came with a shopping bag and she took out this little wooden doll with an inverted commas doll it was a 3 inch high doll it's not doll it's a deity okay but at that time they were calling it doll there's a flat head black in color big round eyes smiling forward jutting stumpy hands okay legs hardly visible she put it in front of prabhupada and said swami ji what is this immediately even before acknowledging her what prabhupada did was he folded his hands together and bowed his head in prayer to that form it was the form of lord jagannath and then he told malati mataji you have brought lord jagannath he is the lord of the universe here is krishna thank you very much then prabhupad beamed with excitement and then he started talking about how in puri there is this wonderful festival where lord jagannath is residing with his uh, brother and sister lord balaram and subhadra devi then malati mataji said oh yes the store where i bought there are two other personalities like this prabhupad said go and buy them so she and her husband at that time shamashundar prabhu they went and they went to the store the name of the store was cosplus they bought that that the other two deities so prabhupad then lined up in the fashion that they are here on the altar lord balaram on uh, sorry lord uh, jagannath on the right lord balaram on the left and in the middle subhadra devi prabhupad then said it's very auspicious that they've appeared here then he asked who can carve who knows how to carve by krishna's arrangement malati mataji's husband shamasundar prabhu at that time he was a wood sculptor so he said i'm a wood sculptor then prabhupad assigned him the project okay you now carve three foot high deities based on this three small little ones use them as a reference so he carved three foot high deities then the day of the installation came at that center so at that time prabhupada was already having his bhagavatam classes there devotees hippies were already there um chanting was going on prashadam was being uh, served so the next addition was deity worship
the day of deity installation came. The deities were resting on a red food shelf. No garments, no clothes, no ornaments. There was a yellow canopy over them. There were these little multicolored lights, spotlights. The room was filled with guests, with devotees. The atmosphere was reverential, festive. Then Prabhupada said, Hayagriva, that's the name of the disciple that Prabhupada had that time. Hayagriva, come here. Prabhupada had arranged for a tray with a big candle on it. He said, light the candle. Light the candle, then he said, when the kirtan starts, you stand in front of the deities and do that with the candle being lit. That was the arati. Okay. And he said, once you have done that, you pass it to the next person. Next person, next person. Give everybody the chance. No qualification needed to worship Jagannath. No brahmanas at that time. <laughs> right? So that took place. Everybody was blissful and there was connection with Lord Jagannath. Prabhupada led the kirtan. He played his kartals and he sang the kirtan for one hour. And during that one hour, Prabhupada was happy that deity installation had happened and deity worship had begun. At the end of the kirtan, then Prabhupada said, Here is Krishna. From now on, whenever any of you are coming to this temple, bring something for Lord Jagannath. He was engaging them. If you're already bringing fruits, bring more fruits. If you're not bringing fruits, at least bring one fruit. If you're bringing flowers, bring more flowers. If you're not bringing flowers, at least bring one flower. Right? Offer it to Lord Jagannath. And they followed that. The hippies, being hippies, not only did they bring flowers and fruits, they brought all sorts of things. They brought half a loaf of bread, they brought a stock of wheat. Okay, they brought chocolate fudge. They brought their new clothes to offer to Lord Krishna because they felt, okay, if I'm going to wear my new clothes, let, let me just offer it to the Lord and then I'll wear it. Hippies. They were not following, but there was that connection to the deity. Prabhupada was introducing that personal connection with the deities. Deity worship is very, very personal. They are not statues, they are not idols, they are the actual representation of Krishna in that archa vigraha form. They are very personal. So what we do with them, we got to have this mood that we are serving a person. So every day with that introduction, Prabhupada was... Um, observing the, de the de disciples there doing deity worship. So every day they were offering this candle, lamp. Then, interestingly, the devotees themselves approached Prabhupada and said, Prabhupada, what more can we add to this worship? Only then, and only then, did Prabhupada say, okay, now you offer incense. He was guiding them to their capacity. He was getting them to be more involved 
to engage them in the service. So, like that, deity worship began in the ISKCON world. And today, we've got many, many temples around the world, ISKCON temples, where gorgeous deity worship is taking place. In Melbourne, we see how gorgeous it is. Okay. But as I said, the deities are very personal, very, very personal, and it's all about developing our sambandha, our loving relationship with the Lord. Deity worship is not exclusive for the brahmanas only on the altar. Everything that we do in this temple is for the pleasure of the Lord. Whether you are outside the altar in this side of the temple room where you're sweeping the floor, it is deity worship also. Whether you're in the courtyard sweeping the temple grounds, it is deity worship also. Whether you're in the kitchen cooking something, it is deity worship also. Whether you're in the prashadam hall mopping the floor and cleaning up after the deities, uh, after the people have had prashadam, that is also deity worship. Because everything that we do here, the whole focus, the center is Krishna. Why would we want to worship demigods when we have this kind of wonderful connection? So, in conclusion, we began this talk today giving a brief background about the pastime so far, the Chitraketu pastime. And we drew some comparison as to how, as Chitraketu Maharaj is progressing from stage to stage, where initially, out of ignorance, he was praying for a child. Now, with that spiritual enlightenment from his gurus, he is glorifying the Lord in wonderful prayer. That's his advancement. He shows how we too can advance. And I've, about, and I've spoken about our privileged position as devotees in this lifetime. Being born on planet Earth, being able to chant, having covered whatever we did in our previous lives. And here we are, this lifetime. And in that pendulum, as I said, from non-believers to that extreme of pure devotees, we are somewhere there, getting closer on the journey to make advancement and become more pure in our mind and intelligence. So we need to continue with this. But we need intelligence. We need to apply broader intelligence because with all these if we do not differentiate the role and function of demigods and we treat them as absolute supreme, that is unintelligent. Worshipping Krishna is intelligent. If not, what Prabhupada says here, one who has the shape of a human being but whose actions are nothing but those of an animal is called Narapashu or Dvipada Pashu or two-legged animal. Actions. The key word is actions. Okay, I'll read. 
one who has the shape of a human being, but whose actions are nothing but those of an animal. What do animals do? Eat, sleep, mate, defend. We are beyond that. We have got consciousness. We have got this rare human form of uh, body. Okay? With all this privilege, if we do not take this opportunity to actually push ourselves to improve our sadhana, to actually engage in worshipping uh, not just Srila Prabhupada, but the deities in a manner that they are personal, with that understanding that the deities are personal. Then we are missing the point, really. Prabhupada makes this very strong comment, which is just like two-legged animal. We don't want to be called as two-legged animal. There are enough out there. There are enough out there in society. But we can't just leave them there. That is why we reach out to them. We still give them opportunity to be connected to Krishna. We give the Sukriti. Let them get that Agyata Sukriti. Harinam. Distribution of Prashadam. We still do it. Because that is the mood of a pure devotee. That is what Prabhupada is teaching us. That's what the Shastra teaches us. Lord Chaitanya says, I'm a gardener. I've got this wonderful treasure. Okay? this chanting of the holy name. I've got this holy name, but how many of these fruits can I distribute with my two hands? Please help me distribute this holy name. So, don't be Narapasus. Hare Krishna. Questions, comments? Corrections. Everyone's quiet, which means either they got no questions or they're meditating on what has been spoken so far. Okay. Yeah. Very good comment. I'm not sure if anyone heard, for those who benefit of those listening through internet, um, Ananda Vallabha Prabhu commented that Prabhupada has been successful in reaching out to all categories of jivas out there. In summary. Grantaraj Srimad Bhagavatam ki, Srila Prabhupada ki, jai. Oof.